Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media. And we've got a really special guest here today. Uh, I, can't, uh, I can't believe how excited I was uh, all week because I knew that uh, my next guest, Greg Kettner, was going to be joining me. Uh, I'm going to give you a really good introduction, but I just want you to say hello. Uh, hey, Greg. Uh, he's, he's hey, everybody. Right hey, Darren. I'm, hey, Greg. Uh, I'm just uh, as excited to hang out. Yeah, and this is going to be fun. Uh, yeah, we go back uh, over a lot of years, um, a lot of really fun stories. Um, you're one of the best storytellers uh, that I've ever met and I ever will meet. And uh, I can't wait to hear a lot of the great stories coming from you. Uh, you've got a ton of experience uh, in these types of settings now. Uh, you were so fantastic at getting on stage and, and uh, doing comedy shows and getting on stage and doing corporate retreats. Uh, now you've had to retreat to your office and, and do these Zoom calls. And uh, I know you're uh, getting to, you know, quite to be the expert at that now, but um, I just want to explain um, uh, Greg's background to all of our viewers and listeners. Um, uh, Greg is a corporate comedian. Uh, no, sorry, corporate speaker uh, that really um, wants to interject humor into everybody's life. Uh, Greg's always been a funny guy, very quick-witted, uh, just had a, a really great sense of humor. Um, got out of school and got really into a lot of different careers, a lot of different jobs, and sort of settled on a, a corporate sales job. Um, didn't make him happy, made him rich, but didn't make him happy. And so uh, one day he was out uh, with a bunch of friends having uh, festivities like you, you really like to do as the extrovert he was. And uh, they happened to be at a comedy open mic night. And uh, some of his friends dared him to get up on stage and do a, a little stand-up comedy bit. And uh, that changed his life. He's got a lot of life-changing moments that we're going to get into today. But uh, I really would love you to just explain that life-changing moment getting up on stage, doing that dare, and, and uh, doing stand-up comedy for the first time. Yeah, no, for sure. And thanks again, Darren. It's good to see you. Good to see it's, you. Uh, it's been, uh, been way too long. Um, I know. So. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, we got to make it a, a habit. I think we should be doing this weekly. Uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of fun. It'll be the best hour of our week, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and uh, once we get over this COVID cough, then we can uh, – Either I'll go up or you can come down. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have some golf and make, uh, make some more stories. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no. Uh, the, and we, I, I believe we met at the Canucks. I'm, uh, I worked for the Canucks. I'm an Orlish fan. Yeah. Uh, you can see my game worn Gretzky in the background. Um, sorry, I'm a Canucks fan. I'm a Canucks fan, and I spent lots of years oh, no. doing that. And you know, yeah, we're, we're, we both kind of came from the sporting life and sporting yeah. world and sort of, you know, have moved in lots of different directions but yeah i know i i i love that you uh, are wearing the jersey i decided to support mine too because you're wearing oh, yours yeah. and well, uh homage to where it all began <laughs> exactly but yeah no yeah. I, was, I was working for the canucks doing uh corporate sales at the suites and sponsorship and season tickets and um we gone out one night um and had a couple of pints and uh there was an open mic sound comedy show and, and I've always been the kind of guy that's been able to make people laugh or retell a joke or or whatnot just kind of quick-witted um but I was there's no way in hell I was gonna go on a stage in front of people I mean luckily there was only eight or nine. Oh, good <laughs> we were such a big deal the first time but we're there and these guys and in my head I was thinking like 
oh, I can be that funny, but I didn't have the nerve, right? So the guy's like, oh, you should go up and tell one of your jokes. I said, oh, no, I don't, I don't think so. So I, I did some negotiating, and they, they paid for my uh, tab that night. I said, if you pay for my tab, I'll go up. Nice. Um, so I went up and uh, had a great time. I don't remember really what I talked about. I think I was just talking about the event itself and, and why I was standing here, probably because I had one or too many of bats. <laughs> whatever they were and um so yeah i did five minutes and and loved it so i went to the the guy who ran the open mic i said hey can when when do you have this again he said we do it every wednesday so i went back every wednesday and tried new stuff and new stories and jokes uh and, you know you just got your five minutes but uh you know a year and a half later i was working for yucks and middling and getting paid and touring and so that's kind of how i got into the speaking thing all because of Adair. Yeah. Well, luckily I was there at the beginning. Uh, saw you get up on stage uh, in the early days. Uh, was a fan. I went to a lot of shows and, and uh, you made me laugh. Uh, a lot of your uh, eventual really close friends made me laugh and it uh, became uh, you know, such a great thing to do, uh, such a great night out. And, and um, you were still continuing to work in the sales world for quite a few years. And then one day, I entered the uh, SkyTrain station, which is our uh, subway line, yeah. our, the SkyTrain station here in Yale Town, and I bumped into you uh, just out of the blue. And uh, I said, hey, what's been going on? I haven't seen you in a little bit. Uh, what's happening? And you said, I've went comedy full time. And uh, <laughs> it gave me goosebumps. It uh, you know, made me a bit emotional. It made me feel really, really happy and excited because I saw a guy in that sales world that did good financially, but not happy, not doing his true passion, not really living the life that you wanted to live. And now the stand-up comedy was going to become your life. Um, I was just thrilled for you, uh, realizing that dream and being able to, to just, uh, yeah, just make that decision. I was, I was really happy for you. And I don't know if I've expressed it enough to you, but uh, it was inspirational and it was really great to see somebody do what you did. Oh, that's cool to hear, man. And, and you know, I, I, yeah, it was, it, it became my passion. And, you know, uh, through the comedy, uh, doing stand-up, I got to tour Canada and the States. And I, I met, you know, ran into my wife. Uh, we went to college together, um, but reconnected through comedy. And, and now I'm speaking and I get to, I, basically, I make a living by making people happy. And it's yeah. it, mind-blowing. But no, thank, thanks for your kind words. And, and you never know just in life when you're living your dream, who you inspire, right? Yeah. Okay. So, it, you know, it, you have no idea the impact that you have on other people. Yeah, no, you're very inspirational. Uh, all the people that I run into that have a dream, find out what they're passionate about, have a dream and take the steps to, t to get there and realize it. Uh, I really have a lot of respect and, and, a lot of admiration for them because a life isn't well lived unless you're happy almost all the time. You wake up, it doesn't feel like work a lot of the time when you're doing something that you're passionate about. And I, I feel like you and I are kind of twins in that world. Uh, and and what, you're, what you're doing right now is exactly what I'm doing right now. You're doing with humor, I'm doing with sports. I wanna inspire people to follow sports because sports, has given me so much of a life. I'm so passionate. I, I feel so excited every day that I get to watch sports 
and feel the joy that comes with it. I played sports. I was an athlete for many years. And then when I realized I can't do this professionally, uh, it's not going to happen. I decided to go to broadcast journalism school, uh, get a, get an education so that I could be that reporter in the locker room uh, and uh, standing there with a microphone 10 minutes after the end of the game, asking that athlete how he felt yeah. playing that game, having that moment. And then I could uh, uh, take that information and give it to the people that want to know it. People that are Oilers fans, Canada fans, Canucks fans, fans around the world. And it felt so great. It felt yeah. so great for me to realize that dream. And it was so great to see you realizing your dream. Yeah. And, and right now we're doing the exact same thing. We're just, we're just doing it with different industries. You humor me sports. And, uh, you know, I think together we can really achieve everything that we want to do in this world as well. Yeah, no, exactly. And you know, that, that feeling when, you know, when your team scores the goal or wins the Stanley cup, right. It's euphoria, it's happiness. And, and that's the same thing I preach because when, when we are happy, uh, you know, um, endorphins are released into our brain. It's a natural high. It's free. It doesn't, you know, there's no hangover <laughs> and it's just, it, it's good all around. And you, you're mentioning there, uh, you know, working for the Cox and stuff, we got it. And you've seen a lot of the, behind the uh, camera scenes as well too, right? The bowels of GM place or, or whatnot. Who was, uh, who was one of your uh, better interviews? Uh, definitely the favorite person that I've ever talked to of all time is Wayne Gretzky. Right on. And why, yeah. why, why? Just um, to, be, to be the greatest of all time and to be so humble and so giving of his time. He didn't, he didn't um, have that ego that we see in too many people that reach the heights that he reached. Uh, he seemed to be confident, but not egotistical to the point where he wasn't able to have a conversation with you. And, and any time that I ever spoke to him, we had interactions. Uh, I just left there feeling so happy that he was such a great guy. Yeah, no. And, and just, I mean, yeah, like you said, it humble and, and the Jersey, um, um, my brother got that for me, um, for my grad college graduation. And then I was, um, doing sales for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, Patrick Marlowe played there, Chris Osgood, um, a couple other guys, uh, the juniors. And so we were doing um, a charity event for Ronald McDonald house. And we had connect, connected with Gretzky and a bunch of other guys through Jeff Cortnell. Um, they had a traveling uh, charity hockey team out of LA. So there's Cuba Gooding Jr. was on there, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, obviously Gretzky, uh, and a bunch of these guys. And uh, they came up, and my coach in Seattle uh, knew that I was a huge Gretzky fan, and he had played with him in Edmonton back in the day. And uh, so he said, Hey, I think I might be able to get Gretzky to sign your jersey, uh, bring it into the rink. So, uh, on the weekend, I get a phone call from my coach. He's like, hey, do you want to – I need some help down in the locker room. So I walked in the locker room, and I walked in the locker room. It completely empty except for my jersey, Wayne Gretzky, and Lord Stanley. And <laughs> wow. Oh. Wow. Holy cow. That's a moment, eh? Hey? It was crazy, right? And, and we wow. sat, I sat down like, ah, I'm Greg. He's like, hey, I'm Wayne. You know, it was just, it, just like what you experienced, right? Just – very humble. He's the greatest, greatest, one of the greatest athletes and obviously the greatest hockey player ever. Um, 
but he, he was just a nice guy. And, you know, we sat down and I asked him about hockey and he, he asked me about selling tickets. <laughs> you know, he, he was curious. He was genuinely interested. And, uh, you know, then it came time. He's like, all right, I got to go. I'm like, perfect. And he goes, oh, you want me to sign the jersey? I said, absolutely. He goes, do you want to make money or do you want to keep it? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's and, uh, hilarious. I want to keep it. So it's to Greg uh, Wayne Gretzky. And I've, I've had that for about 20 years now. Wow. But, yeah, just, just uh, one of the nicest guys. And he didn't have to be. You know? I wasn't um, I wasn't planning on getting into my Gretzky story, but I might as well really quickly yeah. uh, entertain you, entertain our viewers and listeners. Um, I had an opportunity to go and attend uh, Team Canada's training camp for the World Cup of Hockey, which happened in 1996. Okay. They held it up in they held it up in Whistler, and uh, my company at the time. Uh, said they wanted me to go up and cover the whole entire training camp. So they put me up in a hotel. We went up there every single morning. We went to the rink. They did a practice. They went into the locker room. We did one-on-one uh, -on -one and we did interviews with the guys. And then we all went outside and we had a big uh, buffet lunch out in the back of the Whistler Arena. Yeah. And uh, I would be, I would grab my food and I'd sit down at a table and then next to me would be Wayne and then Mark Messier and Curtis Joseph and just players from Team Canada and it was just unbelievable and we'd be laughing and sharing stories and stuff and then everybody would say what time's your tee off time what time's your tee off time and we would all go to the golf courses and we would play golf and then I would head off on my day and they would all head off on their day and one day, I went to the media relations guy and I said, I really want to get a one-on-one -on -one with Wayne Gretzky sometime this week. My boss uh, you know, would really love this. So they yeah. said, okay, we'll see what we can do. So I would say it's about uh, maybe Wednesday through the week. Uh, I get word that, uh, yeah, Wayne's willing to sit down and do a one-on-one -on -one with me. So we enter a room after we, he got dressed and the practice was done. He got dressed. We entered a room. We sat down. We talked for... I'd say about half an hour, one-on-one. -on -one. It was just absolutely fantastic. And I just felt thrilled beyond belief. I left there, I filed the stories and I was really excited. And I, I met up with a colleague of mine and his girlfriend and another girlfriend of hers. And we went through the village and we got to the drugstore in the village. And the girl said they wanted to go in and get something from the drugstore. And, uh, I said, I'm just going to stand outside and wait. So I'm standing outside waiting. The three of them had went into the, the drugstore. And all of a sudden, I turned to my right. And Wayne and Janet, Janet Gretzky, his wife, turned the corner and started walking towards me. And because it was the day, uh, the day before him and I had had this long uh, interview, he recognized me. And he said, oh, hey, Darren, how you doing? <laughs> and I was just, wow, holy cow, I can't believe he still remembers my name. This is amazing. So Janet said, uh, are you still going into, are you coming into the drugstore with me, Wayne? And he said, no, no, no. And she's like, give me some money then. So he uh, reached into his pocket, pulled out a big wad of money. And as they were exchanging it, it fell out of his hand and it fell, fell on the ground, bounced and landed on my foot. And it was just yeah. sitting on my foot. And we're all looking at this roll of American money. And Janet just swiped it off my foot, went into the drugstore. <laughs> so, so him and I started talking about hockey and just little things. And we're looking out at the village. And he said, wow, I've never been to Whistler. This is pretty, 
unbelievably beautiful place. And I said, yeah, holy cow, is it ever. I said, are you going up to the top of the mountain tonight for the big um, dinner? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm scheduled to go up there. He said, uh, must be a pretty credible view. And I said, yeah, yeah, you can't even see the top of the mountain actually from here. Uh, it goes much higher. It's just incredible. You'll love it. And then I thought to myself, there's a concert tomorrow. I wonder if he's heard about it. So I said, yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a concert up in the bowl there tomorrow. Same spot we're going to have the dinner. Um, uh, do, did you hear anything about it? He said, no. And he said, who's playing? And I said, Bare Naked Ladies, Ashley McIsaac, May Moore, a bunch of Canadian bands. It's going to be fun. And he turns and looks at me and he says, Bare Naked Ladies, uh, hmm, is that a guy band or a girl band? <laughs> and I said, oh, it's all guys. And he said, oh, that's a pretty interesting name. And I said, yeah, yeah, funny, hey? And uh, all of a sudden, there was a bunch of kids that were just below us sitting at a table, an outdoor table, yeah. talking. And all of a sudden, one of the kids turns and looks and realizes it's Wayne Gretzky. And yeah. he says, holy <laughs> and and all of a sudden he jumps up and comes over to Wayne and he takes off his ball cap and he's like, could I get your autograph? And he said, are you guys going to win it this year? And Wayne's like, yeah, we're going to, we're certainly going to try. And I would say within a minute, we were just inundated with kids and people and, and just swarmed by autograph seekers, people trying to take pictures and stuff. And suddenly Janet comes out of the, drugstore taps him on the shoulder and he's like gotta go guys gotta go and just as he's walking away he goes up uh, see you tonight Darren <laughs> and he keeps walking all of a sudden all the kids turn in attention and they start looking at me and they're like trying to think like how do we know this guy is he on the team how, I, and they be like gee can we get your autograph I'm like you don't want my autograph kids <laughs> no, I'm nobody and uh Wayne leaves the kids leave and my friends come out out of the drugstore and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you just, you just missed all that. That just happened. It was like a snuffleupagus moment. You know, you're like, ah, you just missed Gretzky and Janet. And, and the girl said, oh, we saw Janet in there. We didn't, we didn't know it was her, but we saw her in the drugstore. So, but it was, uh, it was hilarious because he was just so down to earth. He was, we were just chatting, having fun, talking about whatever and you know just just a great moment for me yeah. really great and, and what what great people i mean i i met them yeah. met them both a couple of times and they're just genuine people i i ran into um his daughter paulina at uh Doolin's, um during the 2010 games down there okay. at and well i can't remember the cross street now um but yeah she was sitting we were sitting at the bar and she came and sat down beside me i leaned over and going you're Wayne's kid. She's like, eh, don't say anything. I'm like, all right. So we had a beer and that, that was it. But like, nice. you know, you could tell that it was their kid, just, you know, humble and kind and nice and polite. I know you love social media, but I was yeah. bothered by social media on Sunday really badly. Twitter. I went on to Twitter after Dustin Johnson, Paulina's yeah. fiance won the masters. And yeah. I went on to see some of the tweets that were you know possibly going to be given by some of the reporters that were there and you know some of the people and trending in Canada was Paulina not masters not DJ he not it was Paulina and it was just Paulina 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 I'm like I'm turning Twitter off I'm not turning Twitter on for a while here I was, I was irritated I'm like come on 
Dustin Johnson just realized the, you know, lifelong dream, yeah. putting on the green jacket, winning the Masters, and we're talking about what his wife's wearing. His, yeah. you know, it was. That's, uh, it was, that's, that's social media working in the curse. <laughs> exactly. I, I think Twitter's the gutter ball of them all. Like it's, it's just, <laughs> it's people that, um, and I don't know this. I haven't done the research, um, but it just seems like people have nothing better to do than just spew whatever's on their head and they feel that they can get away with it because it's not face to face. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, just, that's, like, that's the, tr that's the trouble, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. There was some, there was some, uh, you know, mean tweets on there and we do see Jimmy Kimmel put them on and have the celebrities read their own mean tweets. Oh, and, yeah. You know, you can kind of get a laugh out of that, but uh, I don't know why people have to be that way, why they have to get on there and try to make themselves laugh by, yeah. By saying mean things and, you know, inappropriate stuff, it's no good. Uh, what I love is the humor lab. Yeah. You have decided to create a Facebook group for humor, yeah. social, social media. You know, you're, you're, you've always been a Facebook guy, and I really appreciate that. I never was until recently started on Facebook. But your humor lab has got 10,000 followers now. Yeah. Only created since this pandemic hit. Yep. And uh, you must be so happy, so excited. It's it's blown up and uh, people are loving it. And yeah, you know, you're no, getting to inject that humor to everybody's life every day with that. Yeah, it, it, it's a great thing. I, and it, I don't know where I came up with the idea, but the pandemic hit and I was in my, you know, my house for two weeks. We go to the grocery store. But I mean, you know, I've I've filled up the car twice in the last eight months. We, we don't go anywhere, right? <laughs> I see. And um so I, I just started this group because I need an outlet. I'm not a good introvert. And so I said, well, let's just start a group. And then I thought, well, who do I want? Like, who do I want to get in there and laugh? And I'm like, well, it'd be nice if my mom could laugh at it or, or my, you know, my 16-year-old daughter. And so uh, the two rules that I had was PG-13 and uh, no politics, right? Especially down here, right? I mean, uh, you know, back home being from Canada, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Stuff comes up and we deal with it, but it's just, it's a hundred times crazier down here. Yeah. And so I didn't want any of that. I mean, there's enough, you know, if you want to say what you want to say, do that on your page. And so I, uh, I put together this group and I sent it out to 20 friends and said, Hey, if you can add some content to this and, and send it on to some of your friends, that'd be great. And I woke up the next morning, there's 150 people on it. Nice. It just, wow kind of went but it, it's great because sure i'm i'm the guy who started it but it's all about the group members right there's ten thousand people we have people from pakistan and south america and africa like the, the continent we got all we got all the continents we have almost every state uh almost every province but it's just it's a fun place to go to and relax and have that laugh and you know now people are reaching out to me and saying thank you so much for doing this I had one gentleman uh, on the back coast or the East coast, but <laughs> I'm talking like I'm looking on um, <laughs> that. Uh, he just said, you know what? It's COVID. I've gone through that. I'm going through a divorce and I had some health issues. He goes, it's been a really crappy year. He goes, but you know, when I need that pickup, I go to the human lab and it's great. And it does wonders for me. It takes me from, you know, being in a bad, bad mood to, to being happy and laughing. And that's, that's the beauty of it. That's that's what I'm most proud of okay. is the people that I have no idea who they are and their days are better. And they're, you know, when you're happy, somebody else is happy. When you meet them, you can make them happy. And it's just, it's paying it forward, right?
yeah. whether it's a laugh or, or a smile or a thank you. It's, it's so easy to do. It's free. And it's, it's amazing therapy, right? I mean, we spend so much money on medical um, and healthcare and vitamins and this and that and yoga. It, all that's great. But if we treat each other the way we should be and sharing the laugh, that goes a long ways. Yeah. Yeah, you go to uh, Facebook, uh, punch in Humor Lab, and you see three little uh, painted face-painted eggs there, and that's how you can find it. There's, yeah. There are uh, other humor pages. I, I recommend getting rid of all those and just going to the Humor Lab and making it your, your daily thing. It's uh, really nice to break up your day. If you're stuck in your home office like uh, Greg and I yeah. are quite often, and you uh, realize, oh, I've been sitting down for 20 minutes, half an hour, hour. It's time to get up, uh, go out, you know, get, get a little bit of fresh air, come back, uh, inject a little humor back into your day, and then um, get back onto the task at hand. Uh, Greg's very big proponent of putting a little bit of humor into every hour, every part of your day. Yeah, yeah and, 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 you know, the, the research, uh, there's, there's more and more all the time. Uh, humor and the effects of humor started being researched around 1980, 1985. And they found now that a good belly laugh can burn 15 calories. Okay. But so it's like, oh, what else? And then <laughs> I, so then I looked through the list and um, uh, 30 minutes of sex burns 40 calories. And I'm a practical guy, so I tried combining the two and, <laughs> and I burned like 400 calories just running. <laughs> That's great. Right, so I'm, glad you I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, the study. Tell, tell our listeners and viewers uh, about the Harvard study that you, uh, that you, you saw about the, uh, how many times a baby laughs and how many oh, times yeah. an adult laughs. No, it, well, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's sad. Um, as, uh, you know, babies, one to three, you know, the giggling and all that. So they studied babies that age and, and different age groups all the way up. Um, babies on average laugh 300 times a day, a day. Wow. wow. I mean, That's I thought amazing. they pooped a lot. This is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good that, uh, we love hearing the sound of babies laughing. <laughs> right. And it's, it's not as smelly. Um, so 300 times a day, but as adults, I mean, you know, we have life and stress and finances and relationships and everything only 17 times a day Wow. that we laugh. And that's average. Wow. Wow. So, so that's like know, once, once, an, a, once an hour, basically, once an hour that you're awake. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's not good. Yeah. Well, you're, um, you're, doing, uh, you're doing a great thing then, uh, injecting more humor into everybody's day. We got to get more laughs. We got to break. Uh, we got to uh, reduce the calories and uh, <laughs> laugh a lot, right. have lots of belly laughs. Yeah, yeah. Um, just in case um, our viewers and listeners don't know, uh, they, they see some of the Canada gear on Greg. He's got the Oilers jersey oh, yeah. and the Canada Gretzky. They might think he's uh, in Canada here. I'm in Vancouver, Canada, but Gretzky, uh, this guy, Greg, is actually in uh, the place that never sleeps. Uh, <laughs> uh, the city that they is so nice that they had to name it twice. Yeah. Uh, you, you think of maybe the Big Apple when I mention those words. Uh, I would call this town the Big Onion. Uh, Walla Walla, Washington, and uh, it's kind of um, uh, it's a beautiful spot, but it's sort of in the middle of um, no civilization. Uh, yeah. yeah, you got four hours one way to Portland and about four and a half hours the other way to Seattle. Um, 
why Walla Walla and why did you end up there? Well, you've done your research, buddy. <laughs> like, like, I think he knows more than I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, Walla Walla uh, is, um, it's a uh, native Indian for uh, many waters. Oh, okay. Um, right. I, I thought it was until I heard that, that it was crappy drivers. <laughs> <laughs> we have horrible drivers here. That's um, fine. So uh, why, why, oh yeah, why, why, why? I, I went to school down here, went to a private uh, college, uh, liberal arts college, and met my wife. We were friends at the time, um, but she was dating somebody and I was trying to date other people. <laughs> Didn't work out so well. Um, I played a lot of hockey. So uh, I, I'm Canadian, grew up in, in the Rockies, and then we came down here for school and there was a bunch of us, there's about 15 or 20 of us guys, and we, basketball is big down here right so we did intramural basketball um i don't think we ever completed a full game because we foul out we didn't know that you couldn't hip check on a layup oh, oh really wow <laughs> that's yeah you're trying to learn a new game and still bring in the old style yeah right it. you know you, you you foul a guy and you're like the first time i got fouled i walked over to the family box and the guy goes where are you going i'm like two minutes is that two or five <laughs> That's hilarious. I love it. So we didn't, I mean, you know, we weren't good at basketball. So we, there's a little tiny ice rink. It's probably about a third of the size of a rink. So just shorter than, you know, shorter than red line home. Um, and we just started playing hockey and, but it was just, we're all buddies. And so to pay for the ice, we, uh, we were called the Walla Walla Wolves and the Walla Walla Selects. <laughs> and we, <laughs> Whatever, whatever jersey you put on, you put on that jersey kind of thing. And we were charging these guys five, you know, the students $5 to come and watch us. Wow. So we did that, awesome. went to school, and then I moved out to uh, Seattle and worked for Nike, worked my way up there, and then Seattle Thunderbirds and the Canucks. And then I was um, <clears throat> doing stand-up, and um, I ran into Becky again uh, down in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, wow. So we went for a coffee and stuff. We ended up dating. And then she moved here back here six years ago with her daughter. And uh, I moved here four years ago. So it's, wow. it's a great town. It's a great town to have a family. Uh, uh, a great town if you have a lot of patience for crappy drivers. Uh, <laughs> but we also have a lot of wine here as well, too. So this is, this is the new home, even though I, you know, I miss Canada. But I've, I've got an amazing family, and I'm lucky. And stepdaughter's 16, so she's going through... 16 year old stuff yeah um, but uh 200 good. wineries did you tell me that's down there yeah just over 200 wow. so they're, they're getting really good at the uh the mall back and the cab sav here not a lot of white just because the growing conditions were, were pretty hot um and, and just the altitude it needs to be a little bit more cooler more wind for the the, the white grapes I but see. um but yeah no it, it's it's a it's a great valley for that and the joke is here you know, people, where should I go for wine? Well, we tell them to go to Napa for the auto parts and Walla Walla for the wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I love it. Nice. Uh, there are um, quite a few famous Walla Wallians. Uh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, I think Greg's going to, in probably about four or five years, be the most famous one out of there. But uh, I want to sort of touch into the sports world and some of the most famous people from Walla Walla. Drew Bledsoe. 
Yep. The uh, the famous thing about Drew Bledsoe, probably most people don't really know that name because he he played uh, his career a little bit a little bit ago. But he was the QB that got hurt, and then the goat took over. Tom Brady took over from Drew Bledsoe and took the Patriots uh, to six Super Bowl titles and became the greatest of all time. Uh, Drew Bledsoe was a fantastic quarterback in his own right, but uh, he's kind of known as the guy that got hurt to let the goat in the door. Yeah. No, and, and Drew's a great guy. He has a winery here. Um, so he has two two different labels, uh, Double Back and uh, Family Bledsoe Wines. And, and just a he, – he's another Wayne Gretzky. He's a Wayne Gretzky of football. Yeah. If he didn't know who he was, he'd, he'd talk to you about his wine and ask you about your kids and your dog and – but just, yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, Bledsoe, I, I knew you were going to say that one. Um, what, what's next? Who's next? Uh, uh, the guy's name is Eddie Fainer. You ever heard of him? No. Who's Eddie Fainer? Okay. Eddie Fainer was considered the greatest softball player in history of softball. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he, was, he was called the king, and he was almost unhittable. So – he decided to take uh, a bunch of a few guys around and become like the Harlem Globetrotters okay. of the softball world. And what they would do is they wouldn't take like a Washington Generals team around with them. They would play a local select team from that community. So I saw them in my communities when I grew up and they went to a hundred countries around the world and, and had these performances, these games. They played about 10,000 softball games, and yeah. they almost never lost. He, I'm going to put his statistics up online uh, yeah. when I post this, and it, people will be blown away. He had, he had something like 930 no-hitters, 230 perfect games, something like 14,000 strikeouts, and they won 9,730 games or something oh, but pretty. now what, what era was that was that 80s or 90s or i think it started like in the 60s maybe okay and, yeah yeah went through like the 80s uh yeah, yeah and he uh he was an amazing guy what he did was he he decided uh really we only need two or three players and we can beat any team that takes us on so he originally had him himself the catcher and I think a first baseman. And then he decided, oh, I better have a shortstop too. <laughs> and uh, so they, they would travel around and they would challenge any team and they would say, we're going to kick your butt. And uh, they did. They beat almost anybody that they played. They barely ever lost. And he was a, a showman, big entertainer, super fun oh, guy. Cool. And uh, yeah, it was really cool that he's from yeah. that, that town. Yeah. Yeah. I, I there are a lot of more famous Wall Wallians, but uh, you know we'll we'll get into them next time. We'll get into you know, yeah. we'll do a Walla Walla corner. We'll do, talk about uh, a couple of more famous ones, and, and we'll get into it. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of cool to look into the history of of towns and communities where people are from, and and uh, yeah, I, I'm excited that you're there. It's a beautiful place, and when this border back opens back up and COVID, uh, you Absolutely. know, calm down, I can't wait to come down and. Enjoy some wineries. Uh, yeah, get some hospitality from you and that community. Do some golfing too. Yeah, for sure. I um, I really honestly uh, think you know we could do this as a, on a weekly basis. Uh, I, in my thoughts as I prepared for this and as I thought about all the things we could talk about, I probably came up with 
dozens <laughs> upon dozens of hours of material and things oh, like God. that. Yeah, and and it, it kind of made me think that it was possibly like the life you lived while you were the stand-up comedian. You had to wake up in the afternoon probably and <laughs> you uh, started preparing that night for getting up on stage yeah. and entertaining and now you're doing that in the corporate world you're getting a date to stand in front of hundreds if not thousands of people and having to prepare you know getting up on and what you're going to say uh yeah. do you, did you like that creative process did you like all that went into and still goes into what you're going to say in front of people yeah no absolutely um and you know, comedy is 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 great for for any well anything in life, right? Um, another good people to emulate are you know pastors. You know, if you want to get in the speaking world, but it was I got my chops doing stand up, right? I mean, you do five minutes here, five minutes there, and then you know you get a break and you have a joke that would land, and just kind of kept on going. But the creative process was great. I've got notebooks. I don't know where they are, but I probably have five or six notebooks and. I know if you look up Seinfeld, he's kept every joke that he's ever written. It's just wow. rings and rings of the yellow legal pads. Wow. Um, but it's just, and, and you know, making people laugh, it, it's different. If it's an older crowd, it's different. I, just before I left Vancouver, you know, the crowds were getting a lot younger. And these kids were coming out there and sitting on a stage with a notebook and like, oh, isn't this ironic? Like, I don't have enough money for uh, my rent, but I can afford a cell phone and a skateboard. Okay, so it you know it's it's a different and it and it's a lot different now just because everything's so you know the 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 PC movement for lack of a better term right but everybody is you, everybody has so many rights you can't you can't make a joke anymore I I was listening to a podcast uh, Seinfeld and he hates he won't do colleges anymore because wow. there's always some group of person that will dig up some we're talking about Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? right yeah you know we're not so it's yeah it, it's changed but sure. so that was a creative process you're always writing always trying you know you'd say the joke maybe four or five times at different shows and you you, you tweak the setup or or the punchline or the callback and just kind of you're out there testing you're throwing stuff out to see what lands um and now that i'm doing corporate it's more specific you know the, the science behind humor and how it, you know, less stress, better yeah. mental health, being more productive, being more creative, earning more money, rising the ladder, right? Because people are attracted to people who are happy and people who can make them laugh. And so the, the subjects, you know, aren't as far in between. But uh, so now I'm speaking, but now I had to kind of reinvent a little bit because it's, you know, with COVID, we're having to do this virtually. You know, yeah, I, I did a keynote in, in the same room. I mean, I was standing, but I had a suit jacket on and a nice shirt and my shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, they and had you got that, And you got the microphone behind you, so you can do, yeah, yeah, yeah. corporate speak, yeah. Uh, stand up anytime you want. There it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, different world. But, you know, but it, it's still, I'm, you know, always, always writing. Uh, I wrote a joke yesterday after listening to my parents. We did a family Zoom call. And I said, uh, parents have the best advice. My dad was right. I've only been married for two years, and I'm already losing my hearing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Nice. Uh, I talked a little bit earlier about life-changing moments. And 
as I said, you're, you're a really amazing storyteller. And a lot of the stories that you have told, uh, I remember, and I'm sure a lot of people will have this. I, I know for a fact that there'll be two people that will remember this night for the rest of their lives. And I'm, I'm really excited to have you tell this story. I, I kind of thought I wanted to tell it myself because um, I wanted to feel the, um, the great pride that you must have felt. I wanted to feel the emotion. I wanted to uh, sort of invoke that on, on this call, but I'm, I'm hoping you can. Okay. Um, I, wanted, I want you to take us back to you hosting a comedy night and a man and his son walk in and sit uh, near oh, the front, wow. maybe at the very front, cross their yeah. arms, and, and uh, didn't look like they really wanted to be there, didn't look like they really wanted to laugh, and um, you, uh, you decided to interact a little bit with them. Tell, tell us a story about that night. Yeah, that was, uh, wow, that, good memory, buddy. That was uh, um, stages. On, on Broadway there, and we, we had, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was like Friday nights or Thursday nights, but it was in, in that hotel there in, the, in the, the lobby, or there's like a little bar with a really tiny stage. It was probably about eight feet wide and whatnot. But yeah, I, I tell that story all the time, the power of making someone's day or, you know, you never know who you're going to affect. Um, so I was, I ran this room and it was, we get a headliner and then there'd be a bunch of amateurs like, like I was. And, uh, yeah, that, I, I remember those days. Just takes me back. This is good stuff. That's great. Um, and so you, you, you described it like I was saying the story, right? They came in, they walked in that front table right there and they're sitting like this, like they're hardly even drinking their beers. Wow. And so, like you said, you know, you try and engage people like, oh, okay, what's their story? Um, but afterwards, it was when we, and I don't know if you were at the conversation, um, probably because you know the story better than I do, but I, you know, I asked them, I said, well, where are you guys from? They said, well, we're out of town. I said, well, why did you, you know, stop by the comedy show? They go, well, we're staying in the hotel. And so one thing led to another and come I, to find I, out. I want to, I want, oh. I want to I, I, I stop the story there because I, you, you sort of missed a little part that I think. Uh, you should put in before you have that conversation. Yeah, please. Because so you're, you're up on stage and as you, um, as I, I know what it's like to be a host of a comedy show. So what your job is to do is to sort of entertain the people, tell them where the washrooms are, tell them where to get the drinks, tell them that they're, uh, they're allowed to laugh, that you've given them permission uh, please don't heckle. You know, you're supposed yeah. to do that kind of thing, yeah, right? And so, right. And, and you had sort of said that to them. Please, you know, uh, please laugh. Please laugh. And then as the night wore on, you saw them laughing. You saw yeah. them really having a fun time and a good time. So yeah. I, I thought that that sort of was important because, you know, I, I wanted it, the viewers and listeners to be able to realize that these guys came in and didn't really seem like they were wanting yeah. to have fun. But then well, the, they ended up having a good time. Well, that was the thought on the stage. I'm like, why are you here? Like, <laughs> you, you know, this is a comedy show and you're just like, but you're right. You know, as, as each comedian went over, all right, whatnot. So by the end, by the time, uh, I don't know if it was Erwin Barker that was headlining that night or not, but by the end, they were having a good time. They're high-fiving and like, oh, remember, blah, blah, blah. 
and so we're talking and I, I said, Oh, you're from out of town. They go, yeah, we're just, we've been staying in the hotel for the last two months. My wife was in hospice uh, with cancer and she passed away last night, the night before. And I was yeah. just like heavy. Like, Oh, okay. Well you walking into a lobby bar and ordering a beer and sitting there at a comedy show, not smiling makes total sense. And he said, and it was the first time that my son and I laughed since I'd lost my wife and he had lost his mom. And it blew me away. Like, and that was the night where it, it kind of flipped in my head to going, I was getting up to get laughs from people. And from that night, well, the next show on, my mission was to give laughs instead of get. And yeah. it, it's a minor, minor thing, but that's, you know, that that's life and going back to when we were talking about the beginning, how we both love what we're doing, right? If you find your passion and if you think about how can I how can I do good for others? It's it's not work. It's not drudgery of getting up in the morning like, oh, I got so much to do today. It's like mm -hmm. what do I get to do? Who do I get to impact? And, and thank you for reminding me of that story because yeah, and yeah, and the way you told it was like Go ahead, Darren. Tell the story. I love doing that because uh, I have a good memory for stories. Um, I grew up in a family where my grandfather uh, was the storyteller. And every time we, we gathered around the dinner table for uh, special family dinners and holidays, uh, he would bust out stories. And, and for the most part, they were stories from when he was a teenager into his early 20s and yeah. um they we had heard them four five six eight ten a lot of times and a lot of my family sort of just rolled their eyes and continued to eat their dinner maybe weren't as as engaged as i always was yeah. but i just um saw this pure joy for him to hearken back to days and and laugh and and be emotional and really have a a moment to remember his life and share stories with his family who he loved yeah yeah and it was um it was really a very big big for me uh this was a guy that was a military man who was pretty stern he was um, not emotional until he had a heart attack yeah. and he was in hospital and recovering from the surgery and myself, my mother, and my sister went to visit him. And we were all pretty worried, pretty sad and scared for it all. And my grandmother was in the room with him when we arrived. And my grandma jumped out of her chair and uh, blocked the door and pushed us out into the hallway and said, okay, so this is the, th this is the thing. Um, something's happened to him since this and uh, he's getting emotional. And uh, if he does, just um, ignore it, ignore it. Just pretend that it's not happening and just don't, don't, let him, don't let him see or make you notice that he's crying. So we were all like, what? And it was kind of a shock because I had never seen any tears in his eyes ever, no matter what. All the stories that he told, no, no matter what, I never had. So I was, I was quite like taken aback thinking, no, that probably isn't going to be the case. Sure enough, he saw us, he got emotional, he told us some stories. It seemed to touch him to the point where he thought he was maybe going to lose his life. And uh -huh. every moment forward was a gift. And he would purposely 
tell stories. Every time I saw him from that moment forward, where he knew he was going to get emotional, and he would still tell the story because he didn't care oh. anymore. Yeah. And it changed my life because I was that way too. I didn't want to cry in front of anybody. I didn't want to show that emotion. But when a tough military guy like him, a guy that I never saw that from, was able to allow that side of him and show it and even, even pursue it with stories, um, it changed me and it made me think, hey, I can still be a tough guy and tough man uh, and, and, and still have some tears in my eye. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, tears is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was really nice that he gave me that gift and he gave me that permission. Um, you have gone through heart troubles yourself. Yeah. I, d I don't know um, how much you want to get into that, but, um, you know, I was sad to hear that. And I was, um, you know, super happy that you've been able to come through that and you seem healthy and, yeah. You know, I'm really glad. Um, were those life-changing moments for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you're you're laying on a uh, an operating table, and there's wires in your heart, and they're doing heart surgery on you. You know, and you you go into it. And I remember, you know, it was my mom, and my dad were there. Uh, so when once they wheel you through that door, you're like, am I going to see him again? Um, and then the last one, it was actually done at VGH. Um. I had what they call a tachycardia. So your heart would, my heart would go about 220 beats a minute. So wow. when I had a, like an extra spark plug, it just was short circuiting. And so they had developed this um, uh, procedure out at Children's out of UBC to where they could go in and uh, I don't know what they call it, but it like almost solder this AV node in your heart. Um, and so they did that. And then they tried putting me back into the tachycardia to see if it will work like manually do it and okay. it went back into the tachycardia and like we can't get you back out we don't know what to do wow <laughs> so they've wow. done the surgery and then here i'm laying on this cold slab and my heart's just going nuts and uh they said uh all right we're gonna i i this is the last thing i remember about this surgery because i was awake so it was it wow. was a, a local anesthetic in 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 uh, a vein in my leg that they and they just kind of fed these tubes all the way up um, and so he's like, all right, well, what we're going to, the only thing we can think we can do is get those paddles out and, and restart your heart kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, cool. I want to watch. I've never seen that before. <laughs> and the doctor goes, no, you're going to, you're going to fly off the table about six inches. So we'll sedate you. <laughs> but I do remember making the surgeon laugh before, wow. you know, and then I woke up and, and uh, it's been fine ever since. And that would have been, oh, 30 years ago. Wow. Amazing. Eh? Well, I'm glad your family was there for you and uh, yeah, helped you exactly. through it. I'm, I'm sure it must've been, uh, yeah, sort of scary and uh, challenging and yeah. But um, yeah, it made me think of you a little bit when I heard about your, your heart troubles and um, yeah, I wondered uh, you know, how much of a life changing moment that was. Yeah. Um, you and I, uh, we inter we started interacting with each other quite a bit over the years and we kind of came um so we kind of came from the same place and yeah. uh, sort of had the same sort of um uh modus operandi to our day to our week yeah. to our our careers and stuff and you wanted to be involved in sports i wanted to be involved in sports we were we were um always also really liking to be out 
interacting with people, being social, and we partied a lot. Yeah. And uh, I always looked at my partying as just having fun, just trying to be social, just trying to meet lots of people, having a lot of laughs, uh, really having a lot of fun. And then it got to a point at some point in my life where I realized that uh, some of the fun was being taken out of it because there was excess and yeah. I was drinking too much. I was, I had, I had drug problems when I was a kid and I, I realized, wow, I, um, you know, got to address this stuff. And yeah. I was over the years realizing that everybody has stuff. Yeah. Every single person has that stuff. exists has stuff. Either the, 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 uh, middle child they're the dark uh they're the black sheep they're you know <laughs> something in their family messed them up a little bit and yeah. it's hard to get over and you and i were spending those years uh thinking a lot that we were having fun but then it started becoming not as fun yeah uh, because there was uh you know moments that you can't remember the story you're out having fun and then the next day your friend calls you and you're like oh I don't remember that. And that's yeah. not a good situation to be in. So um, everybody has stuff. And the thing that I really love about you so much right now is that you're tapping into everybody and trying to say that, hey, we're all coming from different places. We all got stuff, but yeah. we need humor and we need passion. We need yeah. to find that thing that makes us passionate and inject it into our life and have humor coming in through that day so that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We don't, uh, you know, have that stuff being dug up and we're trying to forget by drinking, doing drugs, all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, so, you know, really good on you that you've found your calling yeah. and here, you know, you're really helping people all the time. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that. Like we said, that we're, you know, we're kind of cut from the same cloth, right? I mean, yeah. about the same age and we had the same experiences. We still you know, similar friends in Vancouver and, and now we're both doing what we're doing. And like you said, yeah, I'm using humor and you're using sports, but we're still bringing people together. We're putting smiles on their faces. We're bringing up, you know, the good memories and, and, and that's, what's going to make the world a better place. I, uh, I want to hear lots of stories from you, but I do have a, a story that, uh, I believe involves you. We talked briefly yesterday and I started bringing up some things and I don't know if you have the same memories as I do. So I yeah. want to, uh, I want you to tell me if you were part of this the whole night, part of the night where you were in this story. So uh, it, it, uh, it, it was a lot of fun. I, um, I'm actually going to just uh, play out my day and you interject yourself wherever you were that right. night. Okay. All right. So, I got up first thing in the morning, put on my uh, ginch, my long, long ginch, uh, put, uh, you know, sweaters on, got all bundled up. It was super cold outside. I uh, put on my uh, Canadian tuxedo. I went outside. It was like minus 10 or something brutal. I uh, started my truck remotely. I put on the hip and I uh, went inside, uh, got myself uh, something to drink and then got, got ready to go. Headed off to Timmy's, went to Timmy's. Got a double-double. I, uh, I, I started um, thinking about what I was going to do for my day, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, I got some hockey. I got some curling. I got some, uh, yeah, I got some things going on. I think maybe comedy later. Yeah, so I started really thinking about my whole day. So I uh, was driving along, and boom, I ran into Gretz. 
he was just walking along just out of the blue and he was wearing a white jumpsuit. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that later, but I don't know. It was really weird. He was wearing this long white jumpsuit. So we started talking. We were just, him and I were talking about grapes and we're talking about bubbles and we're talking about Trudeau and boom, we bump into Trudeau. So we're like, holy cow, this is amazing. And of course, you know, Trudeau and Gretzky start talking away and I'm sort of off to the side, just listening to these two great ones talk and thinking, yeah. oh man, this is amazing. This is, this is a moment that I wish I had a, a lot of friends around that, uh, you know, we could get into chatting about this. So, so um, he said that, um, yeah, we should go, why don't we go for some breakfast? So we went to Denny's and uh, I, I ordered some like, uh, you know, back bacon and maple wow. syrup and, you know, poutine and whatever, really had a, like a fantastic, uh, you know, Canadian meal. And, and they were just chatting away, chatting away. And, and uh, I guess the, the, the uh, reason why they were all around was that they were heading to um, the Canucks game. There was a big event going on at the Canucks game. Yeah. And there had been a lot of media about it, but it wasn't um, widely known what was happening. But uh, everybody said, okay, make sure you're there early. Be there for the game. So, so we, uh, we started driving along, and we, uh, we end up seeing this polar bear walking along with a couple cubs. And we're like, holy cow, what the hell is that? Uh, this is pretty strange. Okay. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's Canada, guys. That's Canada. And uh, we ended up throwing them some Timbits that we had picked up at Timmy's and uh, feeding them big time, having them like a blast uh, feeding them. They seemed to really be happy about that. And then I look over to my left and I see a cougar. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I'm seeing a cougar. I'm seeing bears and back and forth. This is great. So she was uh, driving a Firebird. She was listening to the hip and some lover boy. And she's looking pretty happy. She had like, the Farrah Fawcett hair, and she looked like she was in, in her glory. It was pretty incredible. We end up driving up through the reservation on North Shore, and we come along, and uh, we bump into a moose. And uh, I'm like, holy cow, guys, look at that over there. Can you believe this? And they say, no, we're looking at the beaver over here. There's a beaver here making a dam. Let's, uh, let's check this out. This is pretty fun. So I'm like, wow, oh, man, we're just getting inundated with Canadiana. This is just this is a sign. This is a really big sign. So, so uh, the day afternoon wears on, we end up driving up and we go to Rogers arena, GM, the old GM yeah. place. We go in there and uh, Justin seems nervous. He's, uh, he's really uh, you know, wondering, uh, I, I'm kind of wondering what's going on with him. And then he says, uh, yeah, I'm nervous about the special guests. I just want to make sure I do the proper thing. I, I wonder if I should be doing this or I should be doing this or I don't know what to do. I don't know. So we end up deciding we're going to go get some beers and we're going to get ready for the, the games and stuff. And, and uh, somebody comes up to me and says, um, hey, did you know uh, there's, there's a bunch of fights tonight? And I said, oh, yeah, 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 I heard that. And he said, yeah, well, um, yeah, make sure you go down and don't miss them. So I said, great. So we went up to the bar. I'm standing there ordering some beers for all these guys. And uh, I bump into Seth Rogen. And he had just been to the dispensary. And, and uh, so he's like, hey, we should uh, make sure we go outside a little bit later on. I'm like, all right, no problem. And so then Seth sees these guys, Gretz and Trudeau, and starts chatting them up. So then all of a sudden, we, uh, I think we went and talked to some of the, the corporate people that sold sale, the tickets there. And we're trying to figure out where our, our box is and what wow. was happening. And uh, so we all go down the, we all, we're, wait for the elevator, wait, elevator's too long. So we go downstairs, we're flying downstairs, we turn around the corner and boom, 
we bump into the special guest, the queen. <laughs> and it was like, hey. And so we're all like, not sure what to do. We're unsure if we should curtsy, we should bow, what we should do. She's there to, uh, I guess, drop the ceremonial puck and puck, yeah. that. So, so yeah, we ended up going and we started watching a bunch of the fights and the fights were great, but then a hockey game broke up. It was kind of boring, you know, not that great. It wasn't that fun. So we decided let's get out of here. And I think I talked to you and uh, you said, hey, why don't we meet up at the Narrows? So we met up at the Narrows and I think you might have a picture. I think you showed me the picture. Show it yeah. to our viewers. Uh, right uh, now. You, you might be able to pull that up. Uh, it's us at the Narrows with, uh, uh, with, with a trophy and, and some, some fun. So while we're at the Narrows, uh, we start discussing what we're going to do, where we're going to go. And we're all talking about comedy. So we talked about the comedy mix, yuck, yucks, and the urban wealth. There <laughs> there's the picture. Wow. There it is. We look pretty happy holding the trophy. Oh, there's two trophies there. Uh, we're yeah. having a blast. So, yeah, yeah there we awesome. were having, having a really good time. I love that it's picture. Send that to me. Back then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't we? Don't we? Yeah. So then we uh, discussed, uh, let's go to Yuck Yucks, let's go to Comedy Mix. And then I said, no, I want to go back to Kitsilano. I want to go to the Urban Well. So we go to the Urban Well, we walk in, and uh, you decide to do a little bit of stand-up there. So yeah. you, you go up on stage, you did, a, I don't know, maybe five, ten minutes. And then all of a sudden, I see your attention, not on us anymore. You're looking over at the bar, and I see yeah. you, look, you turn and you look, and uh, it turns out it's who? Robin Williams. Yeah. Okay, tell me that story. Robin Williams. You 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 met Robin Williams. That was a long that was a long walk in the park to get to Robin. <laughs> that was a bit of a yeah, long story short, uh, Robin Williams. You all, all the people that I happen to run into over the years all the one place. Uh yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll finish with the story because I gotta go to the bathroom. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it was uh, the Urban Well there in Kisilano. Uh In Tuesday nights, they had a, a, a nine or seven o'clock and nine o'clock show. I was on the early show because I was a rookie, and you know we get there and you'd each get five minutes before five of us. Um, but the pros would be there too, and they would vote for the funniest guy or funniest comedian on the early show. They got to open the late show. So that was, we're trying to do our best and do our best. And that night, there was probably six people, including the bartender in there, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, and, and the comedians. And halfway through my five-minute set, the door opened up, and in walked Robin Williams, who was my, you know, hero, comedian hero, you know. And uh, I was like, in my head, I was like, whoa, wow. He's, <laughs> he's watching me do stand-up. <laughs> wow. Amazing. What a moment. What a moment. Uh, did it make you nervous or excited or no, I both? Just, I just kind of like, well, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I'd been working at the Canucks long enough and I was the guy that if a celebrity would come into town, I would go give them their tickets, run them to the hotel, do all that kind of thing because I treated, I treat everybody equally, right? If you're, if you're the queen or if you're Seth Rogen having a beer or whatnot, it's just treat them like, regular people and I love it so I thought I'd do the same thing with Robin Williams so I blew him off I went and sat down beside him and just kind of started up the conversation and it was Vancouver right so I was like well you, you sound like you're from America and he goes yeah yeah I'm from San Francisco I was like oh what are, what are you doing are you up on vacation or there's not only filming the movie I'm like oh are you the camera guy do you hold the microphone <laughs> and just look at, wow. face, look at me going just just uh, just pretended that you didn't even know him at all 
Yeah, just blew him off, right? Nice. And, and the look that I got back was he's like, why is this John Goodman guy? I have no idea who I am. <laughs> so we had a conversation, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I, I go, what, what movies have you been in? And he said, Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm like, no. He goes, Goodwill Hunting. I'm like, oh, do you know Ben Affleck? <laughs> and I could just tell that he was annoyed with me. And he goes, you're best with me. I'm like, absolutely. And so we sat there and, you know, I had a 15, 20-minute conversation. And then um, the guy who ran the room, Sean, uh, came up and said, hey, we'd love for you to do, we have a 9 o'clock show if you want to do some time, 10 or 15 minutes. And, you know, I was joking. I'm like, do you have 10 or 15 minutes, Robin? Um, he went up and did two and a half hours. Wow. So wow. it's now 1230. The bar is packed. They're charging 20 bucks to get in. There's 200 people in their room. And that place is tiny, yeah. right? Um, but it was, it was just, it, it was a great night. And you know, I was there. Yeah. It's it, just two blocks, three blocks from uh, yeah, where I lived at the time. Cool, and right? yeah, I was there. I, uh, I saw urban wall shows every week. Uh, yeah. I was at my dedicated spot, Brent Budd and Russell yeah. Peters and, yeah. you know, many, many all really great comedians right? were there all the time. Yeah. Greg Kettner. Yeah. Greg <laughs> Kettner. <laughs> yeah. I used to know him when. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm disappointed that that place um, ended up uh, not happening. It's a it's a blues bar now, and it's pretty oh, nice. Okay. It's great, but it's um, but it, yeah, it's it's had a few different changes since that urban wall days. But but I love it so much. I want to before you go, I want to do a little speed round. I want sure. you to just say a short few words about uh, these people I'm going to name. So Perfect. I I want to um, I want to say your hero, comedy hero when you were growing up was Rob Williams, but also Bill Cosby. Yeah, Bill Cosby. Say some words. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, this is before he went to jail, but he was he was very funny, very kind, very uh, friendly. I I got to meet him a couple times after the shows as well too, but just very very funny and very family friendly, or so awesome. we thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, PJ thirteen and you know, yeah. really good growing up. Uh, unfortunately, had some darker side, and uh, you know, wish yeah. that never happened. But Norm Macdonald. Norm Macdonald, one of the one of the <laughs> quirkiest guys I've met. He's a uh, he's he's a funny guy. He, he bought a joke off me uh, when I went to work in Vancouver. It was uh, I probably should repeat the joke. It was pretty dark. It wasn't offside. It was just a dark joke. But uh, yeah, quirky, fun, and just a just a nice guy. Uh, Morgan Preston. Morgan Preston. Who's Morgan Preston? Morgan Preston was a comedian that you worked with, and he set the record by doing 50 shows in 50 states in 48 oh, days. Oh, yeah, Morgan. Morgan's great. Uh, sorry, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, no, he did 50 shows in 50 states, uh, the record. Uh, a hustler. Funny and a, 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 a true hustler. Like I've never seen any, any comedian work that hard. Gilbert Gottfried. Weird. <laughs> Seth Rogen. Down to earth, funny, and probably one of the best laughs I've ever heard. How about your parents, Mr. and Mrs. Kettner? Love them. They're good human beings. Good human beings. They'll give you a shirt off your back. Um, they're, they're salt of the earth. Yeah, I adore them. Your, your brother? Uh, probably my best friend. He's, he's, we've been through thick and thin. We built houses together. We played hockey together and we still talk weekly. Your sister. 
uh, a champion, gone through a divorce, remarried, uh, found out that she had breast cancer a week after she got married. And wow. she beat it, and, but just, just uh, a kind person, a great teacher, and, and a hell of a mom. Your wife. Another one of my best friends. My best friend. She's, uh, yeah, she, she's something special. She took, um, you know, like we were saying earlier, uh, how we used to <laughs> be single and, and go out and entertain each other and stuff. And, and she, she um, took some sandpaper to me, if you will. And just kind of softened up the edges, but she's a she's a, a a really really good person and a really really good mom. Your daughter, uh, adorable. She's salt of the earth. Uh, she's always cheering the underdog, and very very resilient. Just a great great kid. I've never seen you happier, Greg. Uh, I was always hoping for this life with you. Uh, it's fantastic to, yeah, it's fantastic to see you achieve all those dreams and goals and all the things that we went through together. Uh, I, I want you to tell me about uh, being the contestant on the show, the audience, because you were in a place where you had left a world where you were making lots of money, but you weren't happy to a place where you were happy, but you weren't making a lot of money and you had a life changing decision to make. Yep. And they were coming into your life. 50 people were coming into your life for a week. Yeah. To help you make that decision. Uh, what an entertaining few episodes of a show. Yep. And uh, was, must have been in a crazy week to live through. Yeah, no, it was. I had 50 people follow me around. And I was, you know, I was a stand-up comedian, not making a ton of money, but enjoying my life. But, you know, I, I hadn't found that somebody special in my life. And I, I always knew that I would one day end up getting married and they followed me around and they said, well, what about this? What about that? Your finances and everything. And it was, it was kind of like group therapy. I mean, none of these people were professionals, you know, counselors or anything, but they followed me around. Um, they followed, uh, or they would ask, my brother came out he's on the episode. Uh, another good friend, Colby Facklers, uh, on the episode as well too. And just asked me questions and trying to find out who I was and help me find out who I was. And I remember <clears throat> it was the uh, second to last day of filming and we were in my little tiny apartment uh, that you've been to many times <laughs> and they were just grilling me. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what I'm afraid of. And, and finally one of the moms, you know, um, one of the people that was, was a part of this, she said, here's a question for you. She goes, if your mom and dad, uh, or at a dinner party with their friends, and they go, oh, what, is, what are your kids doing? Your mom says, well, my, my oldest boy is a psychologist, and my youngest daughter is a, a teacher and principal, and uh, Greg, he, uh, he tells jokes. <laughs> I said, I'm scared of that, right? Because I, I, I wanted to be, like, you know, professional and thought of it at the same level. And, and I, I never invited my parents out to see a show because it was at bars, people are drinking, there's dirty language, you know, dirty content and stuff. And she said, well, what would it mean to you? I said, you know what, if I, if I could do a set in front of my parents and prove to them that I am funny, I can do this clean and it can be PG-13, let's do it. And that was it. Um, so after the next day, uh, after a lot of tears, I, uh, I called up my mom and dad and they knew that I was on the show. So they, you know, were checking in and whatnot. And I said, well, it came down to it. You know, I knew comedy, but I've never asked you. 
And uh, I'm sorry, but I'm asking you right now. And they said, you know what? We're going to be over there in the next six weeks. So I planned, I went to the owner of Yak Yaks. I said, hey, my parents are going to be here this Thursday night. Can I get 10 minutes? I don't need to be paid. I just, I want them to see me do stand up for the very first time. And then I, I started, you know, I, I, I did my regular jokes. I just cleaned them up. So they're PG 13 uh, for mom and dad. And the set went well. And the biggest compliment I've ever gotten for my stand up comedy, my mom said she was having so much fun. She forgot to take pictures. <laughs> nice. I, like, I wow. went, but That's you know, it, it, it's all these little pieces. It, it's you, it's, it's Andy, it's Colby, it's my brother, it's Becky. It's all these little um, snippets of time, as if they were, you know, that come in and out of, your, um, out of your life that make us collectively who we are. And the more times that we can connect and make people happy and share a laugh, the, the bigger that web's going to be, and it's not going to be such drudgery and, you know. Yeah. No, uh, and you said, it, you said it so brilliantly. I'm glad you shared that. Uh, you know, I was... I was disappointed that you sort of felt um, like you couldn't share that part of your life with them. And I, I've had that, those thoughts too. I, I've been in bars late at night. I've been in uh, watching heavy metal shows and looking around thinking, Oh my God, my parents would just go crazy if they saw me here with all these long hairs and, <laughs> and you know, a lot of the moments and places that I went and people that I spent time with, but um, you know, it was happy to suddenly emerge and just be me. You know, I, I, I was a part of, you know, in that family, this is me growing up, but I needed to spread my wings and emerge and go into lots of different places and, and enjoy myself too. Uh, I'm so happy that you were able to become yourself. I, I was always wondering why there was a little bit of uh, angst there. There was a little bit of a, a person that didn't really want to um, feel as happy as you should with what, yeah. what you were doing. And, uh, you know, your, your family is very, like you said, you mentioned your, what your brother and sister did, but your dad was a doctor, your mom was a nurse. Yeah. Uh, they were all coming with, you know, lots of education and, you know, all of these things. And, and you say, Oh, and I'm, I'm just a clown. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, but what you're doing and, you know, after you did that stand up comedy bit, and yeah. you, you're in those bars late at night and you did all that. Now you've emerged to somewhere where you can do PG-13 jokes. You can get up on stage and make people laugh. You can be in your office and make people laugh. And yeah. you're really doing great things for the world, like all your family is too. So, Thanks, man. you know, good on you. Good on That's you. I, um, I was in many of those bars late at night and... You know, in that audience, your brother said he was worried about you having a heart attack and you yeah. dying because you were out late at night and we weren't taking care of ourselves yeah. necessarily that well. We were living in an excess life and, you know, being up late at night and sleeping through the day and stuff. But we needed to go through that, I believe, to get to the point we're at right now. Yeah, exactly. It all, it, it all works out, man, for a reason. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, man, this is so great. Uh, my, my Thanks show is sports, my, my show is sports focused. Um, but it's so great to, you know, have so many, uh, really amazing life-changing stories from you and be able to, you know, touch base on, on so much of your story. Uh, let's finish with some sports, um, NBA draft today. Do you care? No. Okay. Seattle Kraken. Uh, interesting name. <laughs> Are the fans the crackheads? 
<laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully Marino's not. The crack house. I don't know. But I know Tom uh, Brady, he'll he'll do a great job there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. Best team ever. Toronto Maple Leafs. Are they still in the NHL? <laughs> I love your joke about the Calgary Flames. Oh, yeah. What do you? Uh, what does the Bron the Flames have in common? Or no? Wait, hold on. I should be a comedian. I should know this. What's the difference between a bra and the Calgary Flames? Tell me. Has two cups. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I think that I think that's originally Andy told me that joke. Really? Okay. Andy, yeah, I'll give credit to him for that one. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, not as good as the 49ers. Okay. But I love Russell Wilson. Good yeah. human being. Seattle Thunderbirds. Great, great organization. Gave me, gave me my start and gave a lot of players their start who went on. Uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. Good organization. Again, I, I, I got to help build that from when they were in the, the lower league up to the MLS. So. A, a great and and Bobby Leonard is he's one of the best guys I've ever worked for. Awesome, Vancouver yeah. Canucks. Uh, best job I've ever had, other than speaking and doing stand up. We, we had Burke, Brian Burke was there, uh, a great leader, uh, a great personality. Everybody thought him was really prickly, but if you thought him was prickly, you never had a conversation with him one on one. Yeah, buy his um, life story book. It just came out. I've got okay. it right behind me here. Yeah, yeah. buy it. It's an amazing read. Super recommend it. Yeah, get it, get it for Christmas. Get it now. Uh, yeah, order it on Amazon. Uh, fantastic read. I always had amazing interaction with Brian Burke too. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of of his. Uh, golf, Masters, uh, golf in general. I one love of your golf. favorite sports. It, it relaxes me. Nice. nice. Best course I ever played was in Fury Creek up by uh, Whistler Pem or Pemberton there. Yeah, they filmed a Happy Gilmore there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, uh, tell me about, uh, really briefly, we're going to finish this off with um, your corporate speaking gigs. Um, you had the, the moment in Vegas where it started, and uh, you've, you've just, just explained super briefly about uh, a lot of the huge corporations that you've stood in front of and entertained them uh, at your current position. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I go and help people to build team culture, help people understand how to enjoy their jobs, how to laugh, how to not take their work so seriously or their lives so seriously. So they have better mental health, less stress, more productivity, and ultimately live the life that they want. Awesome. Vegas, um, Vegas getting up on stage for the first time. Uh, I, I know, I know you've told a bit of that story, but just, um, just as you walked out on stage, what your mindset was like walking out on stage in front of 3,500 people for SAP, yeah. a software uh, company. It was impromptu, and, and uh, the, the MC had, had said some, some, something very derogatory, shut the whole show down, so we restarted, uh, and they wanted – they heard me do, you know, my five-minute stand-up stick before. Um, they said, keep it clean. And uh, so I went out there, and I was like, well, here's my opportunity. Why, you know, when nobody else would bet on you, bet on yourself was the lesson I learned that night. I walked to the middle of the stage and uh, I looked around and I said, my name is Greg Kettner. I can't do any worse than the last guy. <laughs> and that, you know, then I went and told 15 minutes of jokes and, and that's that night I walked off the stage and I said, you know what? I, I, this is my calling. Yeah. Yeah. And you used the, you used the ABCs that day, right? 
the ABCs. Yeah, always be closing. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, I got I got to go on the um, uh, the uh, President's Club trip, which was a ten thousand dollar cruise. I was nowhere near making it. I didn't have the numbers, but I asked. I said, "Hey, can I get on the boat?" And uh, I got to go on the boat. So I went. Uh, I did fifteen minutes of stand up comedy in Las Vegas and got a ten thousand dollar trip. Which, if my math is right, that's like forty thousand an hour. <laughs> I wish I was still my right. <laughs> no doubt, eh? Uh, one of your mottos is how to get lucky. Is that still yeah. a motto? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a talk that I do in high schools. Um, and just talking to people like, well, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and my motto throughout my whole sales career is the more, the more effort you put in, the more you reward, the luckier you get. And so the title is a little bit catchy. So the students will listen, but it's creating your own luck, you know, doing good, being in school, be smart, work hard, and, and you'll create your own luck. I, I, I saw, Greg, at times in your life where you didn't seem to feel good about yourself. I don't know if it was, um, I don't know if it was self-esteem, self-worth. I don't know what it was, but I was really surprised because you were just such a fantastic guy. And, and it's like I said earlier, it's, we all have stuff and it came up there. Uh, sometimes that type of stuff leads to people having depression, suicidal thoughts. Uh, you've had um, talks on suicide, things like that. Uh, I know that um, it's, it's been a part of your immediate family. Um, why is that important to you to have some talks on that? Well, it, it's just, uh, it, it's a part of my life now. My stepdaughter lost her father um, to suicide uh, two and a half years ago. And it's, it's, it's a real thing out there. Um, it doesn't choose us or we don't choose it. It chooses us and the stigma. And I think, you know, uh, you know, uh, Bell Canada has her yearly day every year. Let's, let's talk kind of thing. And I think it's important because if we talk about it and we share our experiences, we're all in this world together. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we feel like we can reach out to somebody, because uh, we have anxiety or, you know, we're feeling depressed, that sort of thing. So it's something that we need to talk about because if we, if we do self-care, um, you know, and if, if we work with, you know, counselors and, and doctors and stuff, it, it's stuff that doesn't have to happen. It's preventable. And so I've educated myself a lot over the last two and a half years. Now I'm part of a group here in Walla Walla that it, it's called Men in the Middle and it's guys hanging out with guys talking about lives, having the tough conversations and, I say tough conversations because the first time you have that conversation, it's, yeah, it's a heavy, heavy topic. But, you know, the more you talk about it, the easier it gets. We can save lives. Well, good for you, Greg. Uh, yeah, it's so nice to see, see you fulfill all these lifelong goals and dreams. And you've given me so much happy moments in my life. You've been able to entertain me. You've been able to be a friend for me. I, I was really happy to see you switch from some dark days to some really bright days. I just see brightness in your future and I see you being able to shed that light on so many people, 10,000 yeah. people on Facebook and, and then everywhere you go, uh, it's going to be probably you're going to, you know, impact millions of lives in your lifetime. Well, uh, good, good for you, buddy. Good for yeah. you. It's what drives me, what gets me out of bed, making other people happy. So great. Thanks so much for your time. Right. Uh, I know you're so busy. Uh, so we'll let you go, but uh, let's do it again soon. Um, I can't wait to see you and, and uh, see you in person, have a drink, and uh, yeah, catch up really face-to-face, -face and, and uh, all the best to you. Yeah, keep in touch.
Great. Thanks. Thanks, Darren, for having me. And thank you, everybody who listened in and, and keep watching uh, uh, Darren's podcast because he's, he's a great guy and a good friend. And he's, he's doing the exact same that he thing that he talked about me in, in his own, his own lane there. So keep following Darren people. Thanks again. Buddy. All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to quickly sign off everyone. Uh, it's been a, a long podcast, uh, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, really appreciate uh, you coming in. Support our partners and sponsors. Go to our website, completesportsmedia.com, and uh, go to all the podcast platforms and YouTube, and uh, we'll see you again really soon. Take care of yourself. Love you lots. Bye for now.